0: The next layer down is well, how does that look three to five years from now? How are we going to know that we've manifested that vision in any meaningful way? What does that look like from a numbers and a narrative standpoint? And then beyond that, what are we going to do this year to make progress on that? As an
1: hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast, sponsored by Applied Software. You're invited to join our construction innovation adventure with the mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Sean Reed, VP of Construction Data Enablement Services for ADO, a leader in data enablement solutions for construction. He is also a certified leadership coach and a recognized expert in operational planning, execution, leadership communication, and team performance. Welcome to the show, Sean.
0: Thanks for having me, Todd.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Well, let's get into kind of your, your origin story of how you got into the construction industry.
0: Well, how I got into the construction industry is part of my kind of bigger story of my career. And you could argue my just my life journey, which has really always been about helping leaders to lead in one capacity or another. I, I began actually in my career in, in politics. I was working for a, a Canadian politician. Uh, when I came out of university for a while. And then most of my career has been split between uh, the construction world and the software and analytics world. So after after politics for a few years, I, I went and worked for a software company, a business intelligence software company called Cognos for about 10 years. And I worked at that company Primarily, I, I worked as uh, the 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 lead communication advisor for the CEO of the company, and working with the management okay. team on a host of different challenges, both in terms of external communications and internal communications. But really, fundamentally, it was about how do we how do we help the leadership team of this organization, this growing organization, um, lead, bring in new teams, integrate, um, and manage through. You know, this was the time when 9/11 was going on. This is the time when uh, the Great Recession was going on. There were a lot of ups and downs, and 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 really learned a lot through that time of helping helping these um, these leaders navigate a growing organization through both good times and bad times. This the, after that chapter was done, I took a complete left turn, and that's when I moved into the construction industry and was I was hired by. Uh, an association uh, that was working in Western Canada. I was hired to to actually open up uh, an association of construction contractors in Eastern Canada, and the association was focused primarily on helping, working with the 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 CEOs of of small, primarily small and medium sized contractors, to mm-hmm. help them really maximize and optimize the performance of their workforce. So this is. This is an association's really about removing barriers related to their workforce that might be preventing them from growing and, and, and entering markets that they want to enter into or, or growing and recruiting and hiring and retaining the people that they want to do. And, it, and, and we would put together, a number, we've developed multiple services to really help these, these leaders of these companies um, maximize and optimize the performance of their of their organizations so i did that for about 10 years and had a great time doing that and then at some point i decided you know i would i would like to do this on my own full time and so i i eventually moved into um a an independent role for a time uh mm-hmm. after that time with the association where i was providing consulting services to Uh, to the construction industry primarily independently uh, of the association. And most recently uh, in the last year, uh, last six months even, uh, I've actually brought my construction uh, practice into uh, a a slightly larger company called ADO um, that is focused on really helping construction companies transform the operations from through people, process, and technology. And that all starts with the leadership and the vision of these, these, uh, the leadership vision that these contractors have for their organizations. So that's the journey I've been on. Yeah,
1: Nice. Uh, well, I'm curious from your vantage point, what do you see as kind of the uh, appeal and potential for the construction industry?
0: Well, I, the, one of the things that, uh, I am most excited about right now is I think I think whether the industry is ready for it or and wants it or not, there is a massive change on the horizon. Well, we're already starting to see it, but sure. there is there is a uh, a fundamental need. Whether you're looking at the tight, the ever tightening labor markets, the uh, changes that we're seeing in in buyer expectations about how their contractors support them, uh, whether we're looking at Uh, the emergence of more competition uh, globally because of the advent of innovation and technology, a lot of global uh, competition that the world is getting smaller. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. um, local contractors who used to think they had a kind of a regional monopoly are suddenly finding themselves with more competition. There are a number of changes, not to mention the emergence of robotics and other technology innovations that are literally changing the way that construction is done all of this is coming together at a time that we can continue as constructors to to do our our thing the way we've always done it but but sooner or later we're going to see that the market is going to is going to shut us out if we continue down that path Mm -hmm. and there's already you're already seeing some general contractors for example really picking and getting much more selective about the subcontractors they work with if those subs are not for example demonstrating uh, a technical aptitude in terms of the way they're they're connecting and communicating with the general contractor. so the old ways are just not are just not um, going to continue to be uh, able to persist uh, over the next few years.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a, a radical change happening throughout construction, for sure. Uh, how has the last year kind of permanently changed maybe the approach that people should take to leadership in the industry?
0: Yeah, I think, I think leaders in the construction industry this last year, especially the leaders I've been working with for sure, have been learning a lot about empathy, learning a lot about mm. um, connection. Uh, an engagement with their with their people, um, mm-hmm. learning a lot about agility and resilience in response to a changing uh, circumstances. Uh, learning a lot about the importance of really being a student of your business and really understanding what's going on in your business and what are the key influencers that affect the performance of your business, um, so that you can master in those and not get distracted by things that maybe look important in the moment, but are, but end up being not essential to the long-term performance of your business. So I think overall, what's happening for those, for those contractors and those leaders of construction companies who are outperforming in this time, those are the ones who are diving deeper who are using this opportunity to get more connected to their business, more connected to their people, Mm. more connected to the processes that, that shape their business, more connected to their clients. Um, Not the ones who are kind of just in reaction mode and just letting things happen.
1: Yeah. What do you think's kind of the main driver that's spurring along that trend?
0: Well, I th- I think there's been <laughs> there's been no choice, you know, uh, with with whether it's COVID or some of the other uh, economic challenges that have come, and some of the other disruptions that we've seen in this wild and crazy last you know twelve months or so. Um, the the there's been no choice but to um, either get closer, get get more intentional about. Uh, understanding and, and how your business is working and where it's going or to just sort of let go of the steering wheel altogether. It's like, you're on an ice patch and, you know, just you're in, you're mm-hmm. in slip, you know, sliding around and and you've just lost control. Um, you know, there's just been, there've been too many different factors outside of what was already a complex industry to start with. There's now these new layers of, of, of factors to juggle. And it's just been, you um, it's just forced businesses to to rethink their approach.
1: Yeah, Uh, I totally agree with that. All the the onslaught of change that has happened for sure. Uh, I I love the concept of of being a student of your business. One of the things that stood out to me though, when you were talking was you brought up the greater uh, focus on empathy Mm -hmm. that leaders are having throughout all of this, which is not typically something that you think of in, uh, you know, huge supply throughout construction industry. Why do you think that the relating through empathy has been growing over the last year?
0: Well, I think part of that is, is because we've all been experienced. These are, this is a shared experience. This COVID phenomenon, for example, is a shared experience that Mm -hmm. has not, uh, not, you know, whether you are in the corner office, or you are on the front line, you're experiencing COVID. Uh, and, sure. and the challenges that come, the with are real. <laughs> that, you know, and so it's, it's been, it's been, it's provided an opportunity for leaders to actually understand what's going on with some of their, their folks, you know, in a deeper way. And, Given them this opportunity to then de- de- demonstrate that, because we are dealing with um, things that are having a profound impact on on people's lives, and so I think that's just been a catalyst. I think there's been a recognition that, um, <laughs> that 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 this is not normal. This we're not in a particularly normal situation, and so that calls for something more. And so the next you know the next question that leaders, the ones who are succeeding have been asking is, well, what do, what do I do? Well, the first thing is, I, I gotta get better connected with my people. You know, they are, mm-hmm. especially in construction, they are, they are my business. I need to understand how they're doing. I need to be a student, again, to use that phrase, I need to be a student of what they're going through. And that's what empathy is all about, is really creating a deeper connection. Um, and so the, comp- the construction companies that are that are continuing to succeed and excel in spite of all these challenges, are those who are pivoting in that way and actually becoming much more empathetic um, and much more engaged with their people.
1: The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, And manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Do you see that as something that will be a a long-term effect of all this, that that will stay? Or will people start slowly kind of creeping back into habits that they might have had before all this started,
0: I think it's 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 going to have to stay. Maybe not because uh, the leaders choose to. I think the most forward-looking leaders already get it, or they have gotten it mm-hmm. the, and they and they're going to continue to do this. They're going to see the fruits of it, and they're going to continue. But I think what what is what has continued to happen, in spite of, and we're starting to see, for example, over the last year. In different regions across North America, we're seeing, for example, apprenticeship re- registration has declined in many regions. The and there's you know there's some understandable reasons why that might be there's COVID you know people have other things on their mind other than registering for apprenticeship sometimes I guess, but mm-hmm. the what's happening is the the in spite of the ups and downs of COVID and some of these other things, the labor market continues to shrink, and. And it becomes, and, the, the, and therefore the, uh, the worker, the workforce has, has the reins in some ways, in a way. And now they have the ability they're seeing in this year, they've seen how some contractors and some companies have responded empathetically with agility, mm-hmm. with resilience and are outperforming. And some have not. And these, and so in a tightening workforce uh, labor market, suddenly the, our workforce has a new thing to, to be looking for when they're looking for that that place that they want to go and build their career. Uh, and mm-hmm. empathy is becoming, and that connectedness to the employee has become a new, um, it, you know, it was always there but it's become of renewed importance i think in the labor market in the construction labor market and so if you know as the as the owner or the leader of your company you have a choice you know do i want to continue to compete for talent if i want to continue to compete for talent i'm going to have to develop this empathy and this engagement and be the kind of company that stays connected with its people
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think that the culture aspect is huge and is the the impact that it can have. I, I think it's drastically overlooked and, and underrated that you mm-hmm. can really solve a lot of problems and come up with new innovations and, and different things with a healthy culture that is, is focused on the people. I mean, as you said earlier, I mean, that is the business is your people without them. You don't have anything. So yeah. why would you not take time and, and really focus on that?
0: Well, in you know, in every other industry, uh, you know, there's this notion of competing for talent and how do you compete for talent? You make yourself more attractive for that talent to wanna to come. And, um, you know, in some, at some points in our, in the life of our industry, in the construction industry, sometimes we wring our hands and we blame government or we blame some other factor for why we're not finding enough talent. I think what we're learning, if we've learned nothing else, I'm hoping that what we've learned this year is that you know, we have to we have to compete for that talent. We have to change ourselves. Yeah. We have to become more connected, more empathetic, more agile, more resilient, more performance driven, uh, in order to be that attractive place that people are going to want to work and commit to. So, you know, we yeah. that's our choice. We we can compete for talent, or we can be um, left out of the out of the future of this industry.
1: Yeah, for sure. One of the other kind of big undercurrents of, of change happening over the the last year, at least that has really been ramped up over the last year, is with the digital transformation happening, mm-hmm. with everybody having to go remote and bring in and adopt technology at such a more, uh, you know, rapid clip. Well, what kind of impact has that had on leadership throughout the industry?
0: Yeah, i I think I think the, you know, our industry has um, at different times struggled to kind of know what to do with technology in some cases. We've always had technical innovation. I mean this notion that, that the construction industry doesn't know how to innovate doesn't you know that's not really true. Um, you know, we have innovated in many areas um, as an industry over time. I, I think what is true is we haven't used, um, data and technology to really trans help transform the way that we do business. Um, what 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 hasn't changed is that a lot of the processes that you know uh, the ways of running a construction company have mm-hmm. basically stayed the same for a long long time. You know, and only now are we starting to see. With you know the emergence of, mod uh, you know modular construction and pre and fabrication and uh, robotics I mentioned earlier and other technological changes, you know now there now you're starting to see some pretty fundamental process change, some agitation in the market and and you know it's a little bit less comfortable to stay in our entrenched ways about doing about the way mm-hmm. we were doing construction. So so now we've got. You know, I think, you know, we've got uh, companies that are paying more attention to process and paying more attention to their people, like we just talked about and paying more attention to these things because they realize that if they don't, the market's gonna shift around them and they're gonna get left out. And so, so the, the companies, the same companies that are first investing in their people, then investing in process and process transformation are saying, okay, the next question is, well, how do I enable this? How do, I, how do yeah. I actually make this so I can continue, my, my people can continue to do work and do the work that they, I've hired them to do and that they're good at, but that we can do it more uh, productively, more seamlessly. And that's where the technology uh, conversation comes in. How can I actually enable this to happen, especially at scale? If I wanna be a growing mm-hmm. company, how do I enable this at scale? Well, that's where that's where software, data, data, uh, and technology can help uh, support that process.
1: Yeah. So, what does that, you know, high productivity, high performing construction company really look like in practice?
0: It starts with, it starts with the leadership of that company setting setting a clear goal, and then mm-hmm. asking how will we know when we've succeeded how will we know when we've met our target if you're not ever asked consciously asking yourself how will we know you're never actually going to be a performance driven organization because performance performance for what purpose to what end
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you never you know how can we how can i get everybody moving in the same direction if we don't actually know where we're going
1: what direction <laughs> and,
0: and, and what you know what that actually looks like and this is where you know everybody's got everybody's got a vision statement you know every every lots of companies have vision statements and and lots of companies mm-hmm. also have at the if you think of it as a pyramid lots of companies have vision statements and value statements and then a lot of companies have some sort of ability to manage the individual performance of their people but there's very in many cases especially in the small and medium sized businesses there's not much between those there's not much that says that gives any definition to what does that vision and those values look like this year what are we going to go and accomplish this year to manifest that vision what is this department right. what is what is estimating going to go and do this year to contribute to the to that vision, and then how are we going to know if we have actually made progress towards that? Mm-hmm. How are we going to know that their that their contribution has been of value in making us move that? So the performance driven the driven construction company is one that moves beyond mere vision, moves beyond you know frontline day to day accountability, and actually draws a clear line between vision all the way down to exit frontline execution with clarity about both the numbers and the narrative the the how are we going to know we're going to be there and the what are we going to do there's got to be Mm. that sort of cascade that line that connects everything that the organization is doing to that that clear that clear vision
1: yeah i love that with my team i always talk about what's our big win going to look like so what when we think about our, our vision for whatever time period we're looking at, what is at the end of the day, how do you know that you won yeah. and how do you connect that then to everybody's role on that? So you have a, a big win of the whole team. This is what it's going to look like if the team wins Yeah. and then breaking it down on the individual level. This is how, you know, personally that you won over and above your KPIs and your metrics and everything. What is kind of the end goal? What do you want to look like? at the end of the time period that you're casting your goal for. And mm-hmm. then I think a big part of a, a leader's job is to communicate that and, and get that buy-in because it it's one thing if the leader comes down on on high and says, this is what I think the big win is gonna be and this is what mm-hmm. your win's gonna look like. But if you don't have the buy-in, do you really have anything? Then nobody's bought into it. You're, nobody's gonna go in that direction. That's
0: right. And, and I think one of the traps that leaders Uh, that I've seen in the construction industry fall into sometimes, especially as they're trying to grow, for example, you know, and they're trying to add new people, new personnel, is they, rather than spending more energy on getting clearer about what the goals are and clear and clearer about what the measurements of success are, they -hmm. keep it in their head. They keep that, those definitions locked in their head maybe but then they look around and they see people doing it wrong. They see people doing something that doesn't match what's in their head. And instead of taking it out of their head and defining it for people, they simply go to that person and say, you're doing it wrong, you know? And you're and they right. say, look, let me show you how to do it. And they end up micromanaging and that demoralizes and dehumanizes their workforce and creates friction. And so the the the, the real challenge for for performance driven leaders in construction is to take is to do put more work into defining what what the quantifiable aspects of your vision are going to look like and 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 pointing your workforce to them and then asking the question how to the to the workforce how can you help us move in that direction so rather than here's Mm -hmm. rather than I'm gonna tell you what you need to do and I'm gonna handhold you through this process. You empower your workforce and your teams to say, you know, what can you contribute? What are you gonna to contribute to help us get to this quantifiable outcome that we're striving for? And as mm-hmm. soon as people start to see that, as people start to see the definition of what they're trying to work for. We have the, we have the you know, some remarkably skilled people in our industry. These are not dumb people. We can figure this out and we'll get excited about it. Cause I can see that path. Now I know how to get to there here. This is what I'm going to do. Right. And I feel empowered and I'm feeling much more engaged because of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I like to think of it as the leader kind of sets the framework for it. and yeah. says, you know, here's the, here's the boundaries of what we're doing. And then you really get success and in, in, in buy-in when you allow, and you trust the team to fill in the details and you're, there coaching them along the way and therefore helping and support, but it, it's them kind of filling it in and you get a lot of really great creative ideas that you wouldn't have thought of because you crowdsourced it.
0: That's right. And, and crowdsourcing is a great term for it. You've, you've basically you've, what you've done is you've empowered your workforce and, you know, there's a, there's a, a term in the analytics space called you know, you democratize decision making in your organization. So mm-hmm. if, you know, it's it's so easy, especially in volatile markets, to want to control everything as the leader and and bring, you know autonomy back only to you. you know, So I have all the authority in the decision making and bring all that control. But what that ends up doing is totally demoralizing your team and completely, you know really turning them into you know uh it commoditizes our, our people mm-hmm. uh to the point where they're just waiting for you to tell them which lever to pull next that's not bringing any value that's not adding value to your organization so rather if you can articulate you know clearly what we're trying to reach reach for and then empower the, your your people to make decisions based on their expertise in their realm to, uh, to what's gonna to get to, to, that, to, to that outcome. You're gonna have, mm-hmm. have a much more engaged workforce and you're actually probably gonna get, as you say, you're gonna get better solutions because you're gonna get solutions that are crowdsourced but also closer to the point of, of decision. They're closer to the point of where the rubber is actually hitting the road. So they're gonna be grounded in yeah. a practicality that's gonna be better and a lot more, more sustainable over time.
1: The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Evolve MEP, MEP construction software for Revit. Evolve's MEP software for Revit makes project collaboration fast, simple, and more productive, which in turn significantly reduces project risk and cost. Born from the reality of a lack of available skilled labor in the industry, Evolve MEP has transformed the MEP detailer workflow. It's time for MEP to harness the Revit platform to offer seamless collaboration like no other software before it. Visit EvolveMEP.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, totally agree with that. Uh, so what, what are some of the determining factors then for you when you're going in to you know assess a firm's kind of operational execution? Mm-hmm. What do you look at?
0: Well, I look at, so the the, the, the typical process that we would, uh, begin to uh, work with a client on would be exactly as I talked about before is we, we kind of look at that um, and not every organization is a, is a rigid pyramid so I don't want to get too hung up on that but we certainly look mm-hmm. at the question of what, what are the key planning elements and the key operational elements that you have in place today and, and not and typically what you'll see is an organization will be kind of a have a patchwork so you'll have you probably most companies have some sort of articulation of the highest level of their vision and values, but that's probably on a dusty sheet or binder somewhere that never gets opened up, you know, or maybe it's nice copy on your website, you know, but the next layer down is, well, how does that look three to five years from now? How are we gonna know that we've manifested that vision in any meaningful way? What does that look like from a numbers and a narrative standpoint? And then beyond that, what are we going to do this year to make progress on that as an organization? And then what is that the contribution, quantifiable contribution that each department is going to make to that effort? Typically what you'll see when we go in and do that assessment uh, with, with our clients, you'll see a patchwork. You'll see some departments that are really really have it nailed down, you'll see some companies that maybe they've got a great one year plan, but they don't have a lot of vision for what what they're actually working towards beyond that. Um, or you mm-hmm. might see a great uh, three to five year plan, but they're just missing the, the rigor around making sure that every year we're moving, we're moving the needle on this front. So you're going to get a patchwork. And so what we typically do is suggest to our clients that they begin by just doing an assessment of where they are, In terms of their uh, kind of the 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 planning cascade, Mm -hmm. and then and then build you know fill in the gaps, build out the process, make sure that the people that you've got in place are not actually undermining uh, all that work, but are actually enabling that work, and then we talk about the technology. We put it after we we've after we've kind of got the people and the process in place then we begin to talk about, okay, what's the data that you need to really make sure you're making progress on this? What's the technology that we can put in place to make sure that that cascade is really happening the way we want it to? Um, so it starts, long story short, it starts with an assessment of, you know, how, what is the state of our, of our planning framework? Uh, what is the state of our performance um, system in our organization?
1: Nice. Uh, so one, one of the other kind of undercurrents of change going on throughout the industry is as more younger generations are coming in, not only just into the industry, but really taking on more leadership roles within the firms. What kind of impact does that have in on the operations and yeah. the, the culture and even the technology?
0: it's it's amazing to see I, I, that's that's the part that i am so excited about there's this generational shift happening and so many of that next generation are coming in you know they're they're you know they're literally in many cases as you know it's it's its parents handing it off to younger you know their sons and daughters to lead their organizations mm-hmm. and so when that handoff happens often it's like you know the vision of the of the founder or the or the parent you know, was to, to run a comfortable lifestyle business, essentially, you know, a business that, you know, supported the community, the local community, employed a few people and kept things going, but it was essentially, you know, let's just let's just do our thing. Let's get up every morning, build something great, go to bed, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the end. But the younger generation, there's there's a lot of ambition coming into the next generation of the construction industry right now. And a lot of, not that the old way was bad, It was fine, but there's a different vision now, and so people are coming in. This the next generation are coming in saying, "No, I kind of want to be about something more than that." You know, they're looking at other industries. They're looking around at, you know, the the really, you know, the breakthrough industries. I mean, you could talk about the stereotypical ones like Apple and Amazon and and all these companies, but there's lots of examples out there of innovative companies and innovative business models. They're kind of like that. Looks really interesting to me. What would What would that look like in my, you know, in in this construction world that we're in now? And so there's this kind Mm of this, this new, renewed vigor and enthusiasm for for business transformation that these, the, the next generation is bringing up. We want to be, it's not just, it's not just what we want to do. But what matters more, you know, to me as this new generation, is the Simon Sinek stuff—the the why and the how. Why are we doing really? this? They're asking bigger questions about what what's in it for us, you know, even in doing this, and they're asking really innovative questions about how, you know, why why do we always do it this way? It doesn't seem to work very well. It's painful. Has anybody ever bothered to change it, you know, or try? And there's a there's a there's a new what I'm seeing from my clients, at least, is a new desire to not be comfortable with just business as usual, and to actually kind of try things and experiment and try new things and 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 create a, a more innovative and dynamic culture in their
1: organizations. Yeah. So, why do you think that that kind of mindset change and that desire is is growing now?
0: Uh Well, I. You know, I. <laughs> I, I have I suppose I haven't seen the 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 data to prove this out per se, but I my sense is that, well, I do know that, for example, the younger generations, even even you know I'm 45, you know, 40 47. I'm, I mean maybe I'm in denial about being 47 uh, but I'm you know I'm in my mid40s and I'm I'm somebody who, and I think my generation and the generation that's following me, we are very aware of uh, and and put a high premium on meaning in our work and connection mm-hmm. and value in our work it's not it, work is not just a means to a paycheck for us it's it's got we right. have to feel like what we're doing has some value has some more transcendent purpose you know not to get too philosophical but it, it matters
1: in some it, way it yeah.
0: <laughs> And so, yeah. and so, I think there's this desire in the new generation of construction leaders to see that, what to ask questions about why why are we doing this thing the way we're doing it and what are we actually trying to accomplish and they're asking bigger questions about this business that they're responsible for, uh, and as a result of that that's opening up a whole new series of questions and opportunities for these leaders. And they say, oh, you know what, maybe some of the things that we were doing aren't aligned with our values the way, you know, maybe some of the the, the, the ways that we were doing things were actually dehumanizing our workforce and demoralizing. And maybe we want to be a company that actually dignifies our work, our people and, and creates mm-hmm. an environment of innovation and empowerment. Uh, and so when they, as soon as you start asking those questions, uh, you know, new innovation and opportunities emerge. And I think that's what we're seeing.
1: Yeah. So asking those questions though, can cause some friction uh, with the different mindsets. So how, what are some tips to kind of handle that transition and make it a a little smoother?
0: Well, I mean, I think, do you mean, sorry, just to, to clarify, do you mean with the, with the previous generation in terms of like the, the outgoing leadership versus the incoming leadership? Is that? Yeah. What
1: it yeah. It can feel, you know, asking those questions may be totally innocent of like, well, we just want to improve it, but it, it can come across more. Um, oh, they're trying to change it. They don't like what we did. And they think that what mm-hmm. we did is, is bad. Potentially they just want to redo everything and they don't know what, Worked, and this is what used to work. So, sure. how do you kind of alleviate some of that that friction between the, the those different mindsets?
0: Well, if if the if the you know if the founding generation is still engaged in the company, then uh, I would suggest that a really important uh, first conversation is to understand what motivates that founding generation you know, and to, and really become empathetic this is where, you know, if you want to build an empathetic company, you know, start by being empathetic towards the founder that you, that you're dealing with and really try to understand what their motivations were. And, mm-hmm. and, and in so doing, try to draw connections between where your vision is going and what their motivation is. And that's probably where you're going to start, you know? So if, mm-hmm. if, you know, if the motivation is, um, I don't know what the motivation of the founder might be. Maybe maybe profitability is an extremely important uh, factor for them, you know, or, um, you know, fiscal um, sustainability or that sort of thing of the business. you know, how can how can your vision for the way you want to do construction, or the way you want to do business as the new generation of leadership, how can that be applied to sustain the motivation of the founder? In other words, how mm. can you use innovation and um, and engagement and some of the things that you want to bring to actually drive a more profitable business or to drive fiscal sustainability and achieve, help that founder see, see the achievement of their motivations? So start where they, you know, with the problems that are on their mind. Because what we're talking mm. about is the, the, the new generation is all about how and why. So let's apply, you know, whereas the older generation was a little bit more about what. So that's okay. Let's, mm. let's take that what of the, of the founding generation and let's bring some of that innovative how that we want to, and to solve some of those, some of those practical challenges that the, that the, the, the founding generation might've been motivated by. So that's, it's, long story short, that's just an effort to find common ground, you know, let's mm-hmm. go and solve the problem of the, that the founder thinks is the problem, but let's do it in a new way and show them how that that these new processes can actually to, can actually achieve their outcome and actually achieve it in a more powerful way.
1: Yeah love that and love the full circle going back to to empathy from the beginning of the conversation
0: it's uh it's uh-huh. the secret sauce you know it's it you know and unfortunately in our industry as i'm sure you know we you know we don't do that very well you know we 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 t- well, it's hard. typically we typically <laughs> yeah and we and we typically solve things uh by duking it out, you know, a lot of times, you know, not always, but that's that's unfortunately something that's we're trying to g- get past, but that's something that sometimes bogs down our industry. Uh, and it doesn't have to be that zero-sum thing. It can be, yeah. it, we can take a new approach, we can find those win-wins, we can find the empathetic approach. And what, what a better time to do that for the new generation to start practicing that muscle, working that empathy muscle, in in bring in, you know in, in bringing along their founders,
1: yeah, absolutely. So in light of everything that we've we've talked about already, Sean, how uh, can all this change really allow firms to to better capitalize and leverage their data better?
0: So we've got uh, an amazing opportunity right now. So we have, mo- mo- we've never been in a better spot. In terms of having the technological resources to access the data in our industry, to access mm-hmm. and to know what's going on in every aspect of our business, we also have the imperative now with the uh, the market uh, changing, market expectations, changing market dynamics, tightening labor markets, more competition. There's an imperative to get more rigorous to get closer to our businesses and to become more, um, uh, more resilient and more performance focused in terms of how we manage our business. And when you combine those two things, and on top of that, the, the third factor is, there's actually proof that shows that the companies that really master in this, the companies that really leverage their data to, to drive business transformation, do so and achieve accelerated growth over their competition. So when you, tra- when you take mm-hmm. the fact that we've never been in a better place to have to leverage data, we've never had a higher necessity to become real masters and students of our business, and there's proof and evidence that when we do so, uh, we accelerate, that's a perfect storm and a perfect opportunity for businesses to step step into and step step forward and take their companies to the next level. And that's what this next generation of construction leadership that we're seeing are, are picking up on more and more. And that's where they're taking it.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the hesitation on doing it quicker and, and making those connections is kind of baffling to me because it, it seems so obvious. Uh, why would you not connect all those data points and um, those interest areas together?
0: Well, you know, it's it's um, it's funny because I was talking to a, a contractor just the other day about this. And, you know, a lot of the market is not yet at the point where, where what I would call a burning platform. We're not quite at the place where everybody's feeling the pain of this problem that this, they need uh. to innovate. We're still at this point where where the 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 real the early adopters on this are are still are that they're they're seeing the opportunity down the road and they're seeing the market ship and they're making the move early. We're still at the point where we're not at the point yet where it's a problem. So you know for people, you know people that, that there's different adopters at different stages in any market and we're we're at a situation where yeah, it doesn't It may not make sense to to us because we're thinking about this all the time, but uh, the others will come around because they're going to have to. Um, You know, the the mindset of the market is shifting. Uh, The demands of buyers of construction services are shifting. The expectations of the workforce are shifting. Um, You know, let's have this conversation again in two or three years and I suspect you'll be, you know, you know, we'll be seeing a lot more evidence of of broader adoption of these, uh, of these, uh, this direction.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably right there. And, you know, looking over those few years in store for us, I I think construction is going to look like a very different industry over the next, you know, 10 years out versus what it did 10 years ago. You're going to see a a big shift in, in mindset and workflow.
0: No question. No question about it.
1: Uh, well, how do people get in touch with you, Sean, and, and find out more about what you're doing?
0: Well, they can uh, find me, my email address is sean at ai. so sean at ai, or they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, those are probably the best two ways uh, to connect with me.
1: Awesome. And final question, what does innovation mean to you?
0: Innovation is all about change and transformation to fulfill a purpose. Um, so innovation for me is about um, not just inventing stuff for its own sake, but actually draw you know implementing change to fulfill a bigger purpose.
1: Yeah, hitting at that why? Why are you doing yeah. something?
0: Why are you doing it and then and then being creative about the how.
1: Nice. I like it. Well, Sean, thanks so much for for coming on and the conversation.
0: Yeah, it was my pleasure, Todd. Thanks for having me.
1: And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, a crucial aspect to good leadership is empathy. Let's be honest, the last year has had challenges and growing opportunities for every single person. The leaders who seek to be a student of their business and their team are the ones that are going to be able to make the changes needed to thrive. Take time to focus on your people. Second take, I'm a big believer in setting clear goals. Sean said to ask yourself, how will we know when we succeed? It's all about vision casting. I talked to my team about what is the big win going to be? What will it look like for us to accomplish what we want? And how will we know when we did it? It is important to paint a picture for people to be able to conceptualize the accomplishment beforehand. It's also important for the leader to gain individual buy-in by making it applicable to each team member and giving them ownership. Be as clear as possible and then communicate it out frequently. And final take, take time to understand the motivations of those around you. The only way to do that is by having respectful and honest conversations. Sean challenged us to think about how our vision can be applied to sustain the motivation of others. I think it's a perfect note to end on. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.